0: Bill Buckley here. I want to invite you to join me this summer on a trip of a lifetime to both Israel and Jordan. I'm teaming up again with Pastor Ralph Yankee Arnold for this life-changing pilgrimage. Come see the biblical sites you've read about. Jerusalem, Mount of Olives, Sea of Galilee, Jericho, Jordan River, Nazareth, Bethlehem, Petra, and so much more. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A 700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com, BillBunkley.com. Or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. To die that he might give eternal life that I might live and turn my darkness
1: I believe that there's so much that a Christian has that makes him wiser than those that don't know the Lord. I think you know more and can do more but anyway he says. To understand what you are taught does make a difference on how you live. You see, the reason that they're doing all this crazy stuff, like in Washington, all that, because they're not educated. They don't know the truth. They don't even understand the principles of finances. They don't understand it. They don't understand education. They don't know how to teach the kids to read and write. Do you know we got a lot of kids coming out of school today and they don't know how to read? Because there's teachers that don't know how to teach. It's more about trying to get everybody to group think. It doesn't teach them how to think. It, they tell them what to think. I'm for teaching the kid how to think, giving them the tools where they can reason and relate and record this information that they're able to gather. So anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked, so I better stay with this here. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13 and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. In other words, you do wrong, you earn something. In one place, they'll talk about the wages of Balaam. In other words, there's wages that you get because of evil doing, and there's rewards that you get on top of that. See, God wants us to serve Him, but God also is going to reward us if we do right. But what about people who do wrong? God says, you're going to get your reward too. And so He says here, And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. You see, there was a time when they do it at night. Now they're bold and they'll do it in our streets. They'll do it on our news. And there's people who don't care what you think about it. They're very bold and blatant and could care less about what you think. Because you see, they done got to the place where they have no fear of God. They don't fear Christians. They don't fear anything or anybody. They can do whatever they want to do, and their conscience doesn't bother them. Now, if you let people like that educate you, you're going to think the way they think. And if you think the way they think, you're going to want to live the way they live. All this is written in here for a reason, so that you and I don't fall, don't stumble. see there in 2 Peter In chapter 1, look what he says here. In verse 10, Wherefore, the rather brethren, brethren, we're talking to believers, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. But he's talking about the things that you add to your faith in the first chapter. Add to your faith. Become strong enough so that you don't fall. And then what we just read over there in chapter 3, that... You're going to fall into error if you listen to those people who tell you wrong. So he says, don't do that. Remember, uh, Paul made the statement in the book of Ephesians that he wants to present us to the Lord without spot and blemish. He said, this is how I want to do it. In other words, he said, like, I want you not only to know the Lord as your Savior, but I want you to live like a virgin concerning the things of the world. That you might be that chaste virgin that he presents to the Lord in Corinthians. Without spot, without blemish, without, you know, the filthiness of the world. I guess he wants God's people to live a holy, godly life. Now, we'll go to heaven, but there might be uh, some problems. Uh, Not with getting there, but, not with staying there, but with the well done, thou good and faithful servant and not getting the rewards that you would have liked to have had. Look what he says here in the last part of verse 13. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. In other words, they make merchandise of you, as it says over there in uh, verse 3, the same chapter. In other words, they use you to give what they want. Uh, That's why you have to watch the uh, health and wealth preachers on the the gospel of uh, health and wealth. See, all they're trying to do is they uh, use the replacement theology uh, of taking all the blessings that went to Israel, and they're trying to apply all of those to the church. And so they go back there to the Old Testament and say, well, see, all these blessings, it's about you do this, and you're going to prosper and get wealth and blah, blah, blah. Well, wait a minute, that's to Israel. The Lord says to the church, which is what we are, that he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. See, Israel on the earth, and you and I will get our blessings, spiritual blessings in heaven. So we are to have spiritual blessings, and they're to have the physical blessings, and their two are not the same. And if you don't understand it, then you'll have some, uh, hey, send me ten dollars, and there's a hundred dollars going to be in your mailbox tomorrow. And if you're living right, and if you love the Lord, you don't have to worry about getting sick. And then they have their healing line. Come on down here. Put the in there. Be healed! No. God's will may be that you are sick. Go back and try to figure out Job with that philosophy. God took away all of his wealth, and he hadn't done anything wrong. God took away his help, and he hadn't done anything wrong. No, that... That turkey won't fly. Look, look what he says here in verse 14. Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, cannot cease from sin, be and underline these two words, unstable souls. In other words, this is what false teachers do. They take those who are not stable, that are not strong in the Lord, and they want to make merchandise out of you. They want to use you, get you. You see, they can't win you to the Lord. So they try to take those who have an interest in the things of God and get you sidetracked into whatever. And next thing you know, you know, say, for example, you trust the Lord. I listened to Hank Lindstrom on the radio. Or you came out to church to trust the Lord. But you don't get involved and you don't learn the word of God. You'd be surprised how many churches around here that do not have a clear gospel that have been fed into by people that Hank led the Lord. And I bet you the churches around here has got people that have heard Hank and trusted the Lord over all these years, 40 years. I bet you can probably find somebody in every one of them. False churches, but they trusted Christ as Savior because they heard a clear gospel message, but they didn't get grounded because they didn't keep listening or come out and get out of those things that they should have gotten out of. So he says here, they have a tasty bait but a concealed hook. You know, that's what you do when you go fishing. You have a tasty bait, but a concealed hook. They try to lure you with something that you really desire. Study the word. You'll have somebody like a JW come to the door. And ma'am, do you have a fireplace? Well, yes, we do. Ma'am, would you take and throw your children in the fire? Let children or well, No. Neither would God. Can we come in and have a Bible study with you? Well, sure, come right on in. See, they had a pasty little bait, but it's got a hook to it. They got another agenda. And so, because they don't believe in hell, it would be easy to try to convince people that there's no hell. Boy, I feel better already. (laughs) There's no hell. (laughs) But there is a hell. And so, you have people that would try to twist things. And you've got to be careful. Or if, you, uh, if you're sick, you must have done something wrong. You didn't have enough faith. But now before we demonstrate how much faith you have, we're going to take up an offering. And we've got to have some seed money. You know, seed money, seed faith. In other words, you've got to plant before you have anything grow. So how much faith do you have? How much money do you have? When I was at Florida Bible College, me and a few students decided to go to this healing meeting. <laughs> so we went in, we sat back there in the back. We sat there and we watched the shenanigans going on. Boy, I do have to admit, I love their singing. They can sing. I mean, the piano was just a jumping and the song leader was just a going. And I mean, they had the people right there in the palm of their hand and they were Whoo! they were getting with it. Everybody's having a good time. So we stood up there and we just kind of watched and observed. But of course, everybody knows it. We're not part of the group because we look different. But we, we weren't doing what they were doing. So anyway, after a while, he says, we're going to have some healing here tonight. And he talks about all the different kind of people that are going to be healed. He says, first of all, if you have a, he started at $100. If you had a $100 bill, I want you to, everybody had to stand. Come on down here. And so they came down. You don't have a 100 dollars, but you got 50. and he went down every increment and finally got down. You don't have any dollars at all, but all you got is a little change in your pocket. But that's all you want to do. It only takes a little bit of seed faith. Come on down. And so after a while, everybody was down there and gave the money, and everybody was down there, and he says, "If you believe that God's going to do a miracle tonight, you'll come on down here." So after a while, everybody was down there, except about five people sitting back here in the back. We're all sitting back there watching the show, cause oh, that's all it is—a show. They're entertaining. They were not concerned about where anybody spent eternity. It was about how can we get the money out of the people. And I, I felt sorry for all the people who don't know the truth to recognize a shyster when he's up there. So we sitting back there, and finally he got up there and says, "If there's no miracles done here tonight, it's not because of you." because there's people back here because of their unbelief. Now, he hasn't got their money. But now, he may not be able to do a miracle because five people back there who didn't believe what he was doing, and he blamed the lack of healing on five people that didn't believe instead of all the people who gave the money and did believe. I wanted to go down there and just pop them a good one. I didn't. I was young and foolish. I had my two kids one day, Trina and David. We're in Colorado, and on the top of this hill, they put up a great big old tent. Big old tent. A healing line was going to be set up. So I thought, I'll take my two kids so they can get a little of an education. So my kids got in the car with me, and we drove up there and parked cars everywhere. People just going in. And we got out of the car, and right beside of us, there was this other car. And the guy, he got up and got out of his car and he walked around the other side and he opened the door and he sat down and put on the cast, a leg, a, a, you know, plaster thing on his leg. And then he got and he walked like this. Well, I just saw him walk around the front of his car. My kid, we watched him. And he goes in there. Next thing you know, well, he's in the healing line. Next thing you know, he goes up and he got healed. Cut that thing off of there. Praise God. He was healed. I thought, that hypocrite. Staging the junk. But then everybody in there, oh, glory. I says, kids, let's go home. Enough of an education on this. And they've gotten smoother at it. Even they have a guy that comes on television. He sets them up there. And they come down to their front. And he goes. in the spirit <gasps> when they were slain in the spirit they always fell forward these nuts didn't know that they fell backwards and if probably blew his breath on me I'd pass out too but there's people that swallow this stuff and they're false teachers listen most of you in here you've heard of a guy named John Hagee most of y'all have heard of him He does not believe in eternal security. Any preacher that doesn't believe in eternal security doesn't believe the gospel. And if they don't believe the gospel, I doubt the person knows the Lord. But can preach powerful sermons and stir people. You don't judge how well a man can deliver a message and how important he looks or how many people come to his church. I always want to know, strip all that junk away. What do you got to do to go to heaven? What do you got to do to go to heaven? And I heard him one night talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized by the Holy Ghost. I've never jumped, shouted, hollered, screamed, had a feeling go up and down my spine. This boy kissed this girl. Chills went up and down his spine. Her popsicle was dripping. Yeah. Now, there's false teachers in the world. You know this. And this is what they're like. Look in verse 17. They are wells without water. And he says, clouds that are carried with a tempest. To whom, get the underline, to whom is the mist of darkness is reserved forever. See, hell is not a place of light. It's a place of darkness for all eternity. And there are wells without water. There's preachers, but they don't have the gospel. They don't know how to explain the gospel where you can understand it and know you have eternal life and know that you're going to heaven when you die. And they don't teach it's by grace. See, the only reason you can say it's eternal is because it's by grace. If you say it's by grace, but you can lose it, they don't believe it's by grace. They believe it's by works. And it can't be both ways. But there's smooth-talking preachers And you have to be careful. That's why, even when you come here, you should check everything I say by the book. Go by the book. Learn the word of God. Look what he says. In verse 15, he says, Which have forsaken the right way. Now, the right way is the Christ way, the Christian way, the way of life. He says, And are gone astray, following the way of Balaam. Now, in the Old Testament, a man by the name of Balak, who was the king of Moab, he, he, didn't, he didn't like the children of Israel. They're in the wilderness, and they're coming through here. And so he says, uh, get the prophet. And he went up on the top of a hill and says, I want you to curse those Jews, those Israelites. Curse them. And he said, I'll give you this and this and this, and they'll give you silver and gold and so on. Well, three times, but it always turned out to be a blessing. And so he was riding this, this jackass, and all of a sudden it just stopped. So he started beating it. And the donkey turned around and looked at him and says, What are you doing that for? <laughs> so that shows you that if God can use a jackass, God can use you. How does that make you feel? God can use anybody. And he says, What are you doing that for? <laughs> he says, You're mad. What he couldn't see was there was an angel standing there with a sword. Would have killed both of them. If that donkey hadn't stopped, it would have killed both of them. And he told him, he says, you have perversed the way of the Lord. Talking to, to Balaam. You know you can't do this. You are a prophet of the Lord, and you're supposed to teach and co- what God commanded. And only that. And if those, if you put a, you can't put a curse upon the nation of Israel. You can only bless Israel. Well, that didn't set too good with Balak. And he promised him some more stuff. He said, can't do it. But then he made a prophecy. And you can read all about this in Numbers in chapter 22, 22, 23, 24, up to 25. You can read all about this incident. But in chapter 24, it talks about a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ, the star of Jacob, and how he's going to come. And he says, you want to know what's going to happen to Moab in the end time? He says, Israel is going to rule over you. I don't guess they like that. So much for that prophecy. But he said he was mad. Look in verse 16. He says, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Now look at verse 18. For when they, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, vanity, they, the false prophets, they allure through the lust of the flesh. That alluring is, like I said, that tasty bait with a concealed hook. See, they don't want you to see the hook, but they want you to go after the bait and they get you later. That's what the devil does. He shows you, oh, this good-looking woman and shows you this, uh, all this money or this fame and power and popularity, whatever you can have. But there's a, always, remember, there's a hook inside of that to snare you. Be careful. So he says in the last part of it, "...those that were clean escape from them who live in air, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption." This is why you've got to be careful about even those that run for office. They talk about all this freedom and liberty. Even there's you know, the, the Patriots or now the, the Tea Party and all this stuff. And a lot of things can be good, but you never really know where people are coming from. You don't know their foundation in their teaching. So some people just want freedom so they can just live like they please. And uh, you do have to have government. There's a legitimate place for government. God set up government. Government has to have taxes. They have to have a means to support themselves. And there's people that say, well, we're, we're for less government and less taxes. Sounds good. How much less? W- where does that come from? I mean, I mean, here's the Democrats and here's the Republicans. They're both going in the same direction, except the Republicans are about 10 years behind the Democrats going in the same direction. There was a time when the Democrats were way over here. And the uh, Republicans are over there. But let me tell you this the Constitution, <laughs> we're over here. And they're leading the Constitution and getting further and further and further and further away. So, um, what are we going to do? We have a sorry world when all we hear is they're promising how we're going to be liberated. And all this is for the good of the people. And for the good of the people, we're losing more and more of our freedoms. And it looks like we're being changed into a involuntary compliance, involuntary servitude, where we are being forced to become slaves of government, where people work for government, so that government can take care of everything. And that's going to destroy us. And I can tell you right off the bat, that will not work. But he talks about the freedom, the liberty. And they themselves are the servants of corruption. Now, whatever they teach, it's going to make an effect upon our lives. And he says here in verse 24, If after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Now, it is a little difficult trying to figure out, now, are we talking about the teachers here? Are we talking about the believers here? Well, it might be talking about both. Why? Well, because, you see, this is what happens to the, the false teachers. They promise, they promise, they promise. And what he feeds me, I will swallow. Oh. And so you have to be careful of who's feeding you what. You know what I did when I thought, If I ever run for office, I'm going to run on the platform as I promise to do nothing for you. Don't that sound like a good platform to run on? Not to do anything for any of them. You work, you keep your own money. Do whatever you want. It's not government's place to take care of you. That is not the legitimate function of government. Read the Constitution. You won't find it there. You will not find health, education, and welfare in the Constitution. It's not government's job. Government's job is our defense. Roads, post office, and a few things concerning commerce. And, buddy, it's very limited. Do you realize a hundred years ago, before they came out with the income tax of 1913, do you know that we had money in the bank, and there was no income tax? And our government had money. And then we decided, hey... We can get votes if we give things to the people that we want them to vote for us. So there we go. And little by little people go to sleep. Don't understand their rights. My rights are not what government says they are. My rights are what God says they are. And so men who knew what their rights were instituted a government to protect those rights. Not to tell me what they are and what they are not. But we have people that they are not educated. They don't know. They think whatever the law says, that's the law. No. Well, Supreme Court is the supreme law of the land. That's the final word. No, it's not. You still have the power to say no. When you deem it right, you say, well, there's consequences. I know. And sometimes those consequences can be very severe. But anyway... Look in verse 21. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, than after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23 says, And the commandment was that you believe on Him whom God hath sent. Now let's look at this two ways. One, to the false teachers, look what it does to them when they claim that they know the book and they know what's right they know what's wrong and then they teach contrary to what god says and deny the lord that bought them as it said in verse 2 but their teaching affects the christian you're supposed to be that unstable soul who is beguiled and the false teaching has got you back into its entanglement here you are you trust christ as your savior you dedicate your life to the Lord, you begin to study the Word, and you begin to grow in the Lord, and you start cleaning up your life, and you start walking with God, and then you start listening to the false teachers. He says, you're just like a dog that turns back to its own vomit. And you're just like a pig that goes to wallowing in the mire. You see, if this is referring to the false teachers, well, why warn me about what happens to them? Why do I care what happens to the false teachers? Unless this can happen to me. And that's why I need to be careful. Because I don't want to be like I was before I trusted the Lord. I want to keep serving God and keep walking with the Lord. I don't want the false teaching to get me, to destroy me. Uh, that's why he says it had been better if you had not known the way of righteousness or how to live for the Lord, the way, than to know it and then rebel against it. You could also refer it to a person who, here you are, you witness to them, and you try to get them to trust Christ as Savior, and then they reject the Lord. Is it better that they had never heard the gospel? Should we only witness to those that we really believe are going to trust the Lord? Because if they're not going to trust the Lord, we'd be better off not telling them at all. I can't buy that. I believe we should preach the gospel to every creature. And so therefore, I believe these scriptures right here, and say, look, this is the way the lost man is. This is what he teaches. And if you listen to him, you can be just like him. And I don't think that's what you want. So therefore, heed what he's saying. Look there, it's be closed here. Look at that one verse again, verse 17. Ye therefore, in chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye, what's that next word? Ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fall. Let's pray, shall we? Father, once again, we thank you for your word you've given us. Bless each one here. Help us to do right. We thank you so much for the free gift of eternal life, that by faith and faith alone, we can be certain of going to heaven because Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for all of our sins. All of them came back from the dead and says he's coming back. Bless us in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 Westwaters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. And request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com.
0: amazes me